We're talking about the family. And today we want to talk about building a hedge around your family. Building a hedge around your family. Psalm 68 verse 6 is my main verse. It says, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God sets people in families. When Paul prayed in Ephesians 3.15, he says about God, he says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. One translation says, after whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. God is the founder of family. Family is God's idea in the first place. Family is what God wants. Family is God's ideal. According to God, what should family be? Or what is the purpose of the family? Number one, God intended the family to be a place to teach and model God's word. When you read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 from verse 5 to verse 13, you can read it later. This is where we ought to model and teach the word of God. See, the church is not the place where your family should be taught God's word. And I know we live in an era of consultants, you know, where we want to outsource. Look at your neighbor and say, well, now I know you outsource everything. <laughs> yeah. So we live in a time when we really love to outsource. And so people take their children to all these institutions for the institutions to do certain things for the children, which is, I understand, we need to take them to school to be educated. We need to take them to church for them to be spiritual. But remember, it only works when we in a home are playing our role. Whether you're a single parent or whether you're a husband and wife as a couple, it's, you know, whichever, however the dynamics of your family go, you need as the leader of that home or as the parents in that family, make sure that children are taught God's word. Number two, family should be the root of all culture. All cultural practices are to be taught within the family structure. You do realize that God is not against culture. God created us as cultural beings. How our belief, however, is that as a Christian as well, or as a child of God, if I can put it that way, whatever any culture says that's outside of God's word, I will not do. But I find there's a lot of cultural practices, a lot of what we do in all cultures of the world that's consistent with God's word. We need to have culture. You know, sometimes people say, no, I don't have culture anymore. I'm a Christian. My culture is Jesus. You know, how many of you know somebody like that? Can I see your hands? Can I, how many of you know somebody like that? Who said that? How many of you have ever heard somebody who says something like this? People say, I have no culture. My culture is Jesus. Have you ever met somebody who does that kind of a thing? Yeah, you know, and people say it's not about culture, it's not about what, it's just about Jesus, about Jesus, about Jesus, about Jesus. How many of you know somebody who says those kinds of things? How many of you are sitting next to somebody who says those kinds of things? You know, and, uh, but most people don't even realize that even indirectly, God got involved in the formulation of culture, in the way he dealt with the Hebrew people, Jewish people. He gave them practices that ended up 
becoming their everyday practice as their culture. So there's nothing wrong with your Zulu culture, Tosha culture, Tonga culture, Venda culture, Sutu culture, all the things that we do culturally, there's nothing wrong. Look at your name and say, Chwada, Chwada, Chwada. Yeah, we still pay Lobola. You know, we still believe in, you know, all of that. So, but wherever my culture or any culture says is against God's word, then I will rather choose God's word. Number three, family is supposed to be the first line of defense. In other words, this is supposed to be that wall that we build that will help insulate or protect people against the evil that comes. It's in the family, therefore, where values are taught. It's in the family. You know, the value of love, the value of putting other people first, the value of saying thank you. You know, it's in the family where morality is taught, living right. Teach our children, teach our boys not to abuse women, not to abuse girls. Teach our boys not to exploit women. Teach our girls how to behave in the right way. Teach, uh, you know, in the family, everybody is taught that we are to model morality and live right. And as parents, we are to show our children what is right. Don't tell our children to do what we say, but we don't do what we say they must do. Okay, we must model all of that. It's in the home where provision needs to be made. We need to take care of our families. It's in the home where justice is to be dispensed, where love is to be demonstrated. It is the first line of defense. And I'll tell you, Vazalana, when family breaks, so many complications come into people's lives. And, and, and when somebody has not been fortunate enough to be raised in a family, there are so many complications. Or sometimes we may be in a family, but it may be a dysfunctional family. God is concerned about that. Can I hear an amen, Mazala? And what I love about God is that God loves family. And God will help us to reconstruct our families. A family, thirdly, is a place where we belong. You know, everybody wants to belong somewhere. All of us, we want to be identified with somebody. You know, it's nice when I tell you who I am, and what my roots are. We belong somewhere. It's not nice to be a no-name brand. It's not nice at all. It's not nice never to belong. You know, I've heard even preachers who've talked about the experience they had when they lost their parents. And then they had to go stay with relatives. And unfortunately, the relatives were not so nice at all. So they pushed and pushed you around and threw you around. Some of you may have gone through that. And you ended up not even knowing who you are. And you didn't belong anywhere. Nobody, nobody would love to be in that situation. We all want to belong somewhere. So family is a place to belong and a place where we get covering. I really want to encourage you as a family gives covering. That's why even spiritually, a Christian who doesn't belong to a local church is at great risk. Look at your neighbor who didn't say amen. Say, so, Guru, you don't belong. That's why I said amen. Yeah. You know, when we, when we, when we, when we became Christians, uh, 1978, you know, as you know, in those years, of course, there were, there were a lot of uh, interdenominational uh, movements, Christian movements that were very effective in leading people to Christ. Parachurch organizations, there were no churches themselves. So many of us came to Christ, but, but unfortunately, I think, you know, we could, should have been encouraged more by those organizations to belong to a local church because those organizations were not local churches. They were good to teach you about Christ, but there's other things about a church family that they couldn't do. 
And in my observation, and it is, it's right across, you know, is that many of the people who got saved, born again, way in the 70s and 80s, many of them today, you, you, when, you, when you try and trace them, you realize the crisis came. And, and, and for the most of them, to whom crisis came is those who never belong to a local church. God designed us to belong somewhere, Basala. There's no Mahamba Yetwa in this world. And a local church will give you covering. A local church is like a family. And I watch in our church how people have become friends. Hallelujah. They met here. And they become, and we support one another. And some of you, you see here, you see him. You know what I'm saying? And you decide to build, you know, a family. This, this is a family. You meet people who have a crisis like you, single parents like you, young people like you, new fathers like you, you know, people who are writing like you, who have enrolled in UNISA like you, you know, you know, people who suffer from certain conditions just like you. It becomes a nice family. I'm telling you. So, you know, a family is a place to belong. I can guarantee you, if I wasn't belonging to a family, not only the one that raised me, but the one I have now, and the church family in general, I wonder what would have happened in my life. Because there's a lot of value that family adds to our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so, that is why Satan, therefore, is out to destroy families. That is why sometimes there's so much dysfunction in families. And this is why all oppressive systems of the world, for the most part, whether it was colonization or whatever it was, wherever, or slavery, whatever it was, all of them went to the heart of it all where they destroyed the family. Slavery destroyed families. Colonization destroyed families. You can go on and on. All systems of the world that were brutal and cruel towards humanity, they went to the first institution, the family, to destroy the family. Therefore, we need to jealously guard and protect our families by doing certain things intentionally. We need to constantly do these things so that we give God the platform to protect our families and build a hedge around our families. We need to make those decisions to really jealously guard our families. If you are from a family, you should do your best to look after your family. Yeah. If you are the head of that home, do your best to look after Oh, we all have issues in our families. We all have days when things are not so great and you know, but man, my goodness, let's do our best to look after our families and belong to our families. Look at your neighborhood who didn't say amen and say, why are you not saying amen? And so we learn this from Job. Job chapter one from verse six to verse 12. You leave it up on the screen. And I'm gonna read in the New American Standard Bible. It says, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? Then Satan answered and said, Kineki Zula. No. So how Zula, how Zula? Guess who you are imitating? No, I guess. God says, where do you come from? He says, from roaming about on the streets. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's roaming around all the time? Wazul. From roaming about on this earth and walking around on it. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. Then, Job, then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job 
fear God for nothing? Verse 10, my main verse. Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Eh? Have you not made a hedge not just about him but about his house and all that he has? You see, when God builds a hedge around your life, he builds a hedge around you, around your house, around everything that he has. And he says, and he says he's built a hedge on every side. And then he says, not only have you built a hedge, but you have blessed the work of his hands. And his possessions have increased in the land. How many of you would love to see this happen in your life? I don't know about you, but my goodness. I'd love to see God build a hedge around my life. But the question is, for this to happen, what did Job do? Because Satan seems to know what a lot of Christians don't know. You know, some of us, some of our prayers and some of our music and some of the things we do give no sign that we are sure we are protected by God. There are many people who really, they don't feel safe in the hands of God. That's why some people like the booster. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who has the booster? But what, 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 what we are reading here is what is apparent and clear in the spirit world. If God was to open your eyes, if God was to open my eyes, we would see that God is a God who builds a hedge around people. Not only around people, around your home, around everything you have, and who would to bless all the work of your hand and causes your possessions to increase. And the question is, what, did, what is it that Job had done? Listen what Satan says in verse 11. He says, put forth your hand now and touch what he has. And Job will curse you to your face. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that Job has is in your power. Only do not touch his life. Now listen to this. This is important. Satan says you've protected Job. You've built a hedge around him. And the only reason Job serves you is because he's afraid of you. And Satan says just destroy everything he has and you'll see this guy will turn around and curse you. And God says no, no, no. You destroy what he has. Everything he has is in your hands. But that's such a phenomenal statement. When you read that, you note something about God. God is not a destroyer. Uh, I need to say that again. I think I need to say that again for a better amen. Can I say that again? Can I say that again? Can I say that again? You see, God is not a destroyer. Satan was asking God to do that which is uncharacteristic of God. Mudimu is not a destroyer. The Bible says in the book of James, every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. 
Era with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That word variableness, it means her change, her honor, the favorites. Every good gift comes from the Father above, with whom there is no favoritism. Yeah. And Jesus said it in John 10 10. He says, The thief, the thief cometh not but to do what? To kill. To steal and destroy. And then Jesus says, I am come that they might what? They might have what? They might have what? Life and have it. That word life there is the word Z-O-E. And that's a very broad term. That word Z-O-E means the God kind, the God type, the God quality of life. Or life as God lives it and as God would give. This covers everything from your spiritual life to your relational life to your social life to your material life to your vocational life and everything that has to do with you. And God says, not only will I give you life in all those areas, I will give it to you more, more abundantly. Oh, hallelujah. God is not a destroyer. God is not the one who kills. God is not the one who destroys. God is not the one who takes away. God is not a funny God that he would give and take away from you. Jesus said, if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. If you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? I'm here to tell you that God is a good God. I'm here to preach to you that God is a good God. God is not against you. God is not your enemy. God is not the one who takes away from you. Instead, God is the giver of gifts. Every good gift comes from the father above and he is a God. God, his name is El Shaddai. He is a God who is more than enough. Yeah. That's his name. When he introduced himself to Abraham, he says, I'm the almighty God. Literally says, I am El Shaddai. In other words, I don't know the word enough. Ah. When God blesses, he doesn't give enough. He gives more than enough. That's what David says. He says, you, 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 you set me a table before my enemies. He says, you, you, he says, my cup runneth over. God gives you a cup that runneth over. May you walk in the blessing of the run over blessing. In your spiritual life, imagine um, when God fills you with the anointing, he gives you more than enough. He fills you with his power. When God touches you in your healing, he makes you healed by the stripes of Jesus. When he touches your resources, God is a God of more than enough. That's his character. But Satan is asking God to do what's not his character. And God says to Satan, all that job has is in your hands. You go ahead and do what is your nature. Mara, don't touch his life. Oh! There, there, there are times when God will permit the devil to do whatever. Mara, ara, when it comes to their life, listen to me, even if the devil takes away everything you have, as long as there's still breath in your lungs, uzobu. So 
pushed you down but here you are you've risen again your business is up again your family is up again your schooling is up again your education is up again here you are you are up again but not in Piloyake. As long as there's breath in your lungs, as long as He is still my God, as long as Jehovah is your God, I said, as long as Jehovah is your God, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil because can I hear an amen in the house? Yes, sir. Touch everything, but live his life alone. All he has is in your hands. So, Satan hit hard, killed his children, took his family, took his resources, everything, one bad news after another. So, next time when you start getting a series of bad news, understand where it comes from. And understand it may be bad news now, but even if weeping endures for a night, Joy comes in the morning. Can I hear an amen? Am I, am I talking to people like me in this place? I have been through problems and challenges, but because there was breath in my lungs, yeah. God says you touch everything. Let's examine this. What is it that led Job? To God building a hedge around him. What, what is it that Job did? Because if I can learn what he did, I can do it for my family too. Yeah. Because God's not respecter of persons. What Job has done, I can also do. But what is it that made God build a hedge around God's, uh, Job's family? First of all, a hedge, that word hedge means to entwine or to shut in for formation or protection or to put a fence as a restraint. A hedge means a formation of protection because a fence is there to shut in valuables. So in biblical times, they used hedges which were a border of thorny bushes to cover gardens, vineyards, protect it from outside invaders. God puts a hedge around you to protect you from outside invaders. Dr. Good, a theologian, says this, and I quote, to give this original word its full force, it should be derived from the science of engineering. And this word hedge should be rendered, has thou not raised a palisado around him. Somebody say palisado. palisado. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, you have a palisado around you. You know what a palisado is? Palisade fence. Stop nonsense. God has built a stop nonsense around you. Hey. So, hedge. 
To hedge in implies to protect. God built this fence to protect. Just like it happened when houses are protected, farms are hedged in with fences of thorns, which became an enclosure of stakes or a palisade. So God made an enclosure around Job, around his family, around his goods, to guard them from danger and plunder. God will ensure that you are guarded from danger or plunder. Let's go back to Job 1, verse 5. It says, And so it was, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified his children. So the Bible says, Job sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. sanctified. Say it again. So Job as the father of the home, Job as the priest of his home, took a step to sanctify his family. And I want to suggest to you, you being the leader of your family, male or female alike, single parent, couple, doesn't make any difference. As long as when you are the one leading your family, you may be a, 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 a child-led home, and when as one, you lead in the family. You do what Job did. Amen. Yalo na ay convince. The New American Standard Bible says, when the days of their feasting was complete, had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them. So there is an act of consecrating or sanctifying, and this act is to be done by the leader of the home. It's something that you consciously do. You decide to sanctify. You decide to consecrate. Now these words are difficult theological terms. You know, what does it mean to sanctify? What does it mean to consecrate? Well, the word sanctify, consecrate means to set aside. To set aside. So in other words, you can do certain things that your family is set aside by God building a palisade around them. In other words, though everybody mourna, una lidi ishutse mutsenya, marabona bonangariba different. We can't understand why your children are not doing certain things. We can't understand why when I'm in your family, even if you're in the here and you're in the same world as well, why when I'm only different? That's because stop nonsense. So. Oh, Jesus. Probably when we do that, Rebina, with our brothers and sisters, we are talking about sanctification. Who knows? Why is it that in this home, things, even if we were, you know, sometimes we don't work up on our own. But why are different? Why Munna how are different? Musadiwa how are different? Banabahobanyana are different. Banabahobabaradi are different. Why is it in your home it looks like Nuna? Even if Runare things are different. Oh, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Funale stop nonsense. And remember, this came because the priest of the home, the father of the home, decided, or the leader of the home, decided to do certain things. It's not that Bane lucky. It's not that Kiri baby Tamudim. It's not that God likes them more than you. It's because in this home, somebody decided to do something different to what the other people are doing. Can I hear an amen in the house? 
May you be that person who will do what is different and say, This is what Joshua said. Joshua said, it's up to you what you want to do. You can follow other things. Mara, as for me, as for me, as for me and my house, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want. Mara, as for me. There comes a day, Bazalana, when you have to say the as for me statement. And don't be afraid to stand aside and do what's different. Ngono batu uzenza ngono. It's all right. Mara, as long as there's a hair spirit around. Some of you, when you came to church, when you came for prayer during the week, I am doing something so that God should build a hedge around my family. Oh, Jesus. You are not wasting time when you are praying. You are not wasting time when you are Putting God first because God will do what is necessary. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Note what it says. It says, this is what Job did. He rose up early in the morning. Incentivizing his family. One, he rose up early in the morning. Number two, he burned offerings. So these are the two things you do to sanctify your family. Rise up early in the morning. You know, I'm getting the same reaction I got at 7 o'clock. When I talked about morning, nobody said amen. Yeah. <laughs> Same way, even at 7 o'clock, I, you know, I even stood right here and I said early in the morning, particularly in this section, and nobody said amen, nobody. And the amen that came was very far, Maraliona, it was a delayed, reluctant amen. But Job rose up early in the morning and he bent offerings. Let me explain what that means. Let me explain what that means. Rising up early in the morning symbolizes taking time to pray, watch this, and the word early designates priority. Which means this, Job prioritized the discipline of praying for his family. Yeah. Job prioritized the discipline of praying for his family. See, when you pray for your family, you're not wasting time. I'm telling you, Basalan, when you pray for your family, it may seem like you're wasting time. Mara, you're not wasting time. Let me read for you. Psalms 55, verse 17, it says, Evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, A psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. It says, my soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. One of the greatest privileges one has had in leading this church for 32 years is to watch how God has literally transformed families through one person who knew how to do this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We've had parents who've come here doing all kinds of things. But the parent decided they're going to pray. For, you see, you see when, you, when you pray, when you bring your children, your parents, your husband, your wife before God, I'm talking about praying for them. And not about who. No, no. Uh, that's, that's, uh, no, you don't do that. I'm talking about 
in your prayer closet. You put it down. When I pray, when I pray, I always pray for my family. And what influenced me is because my father prayed for us. 1970, when I was nine years old, where's my brother who was helping me? He was in the first service. <laughs> so what happens because I can service you move more. I won't I won't say anything. That's all right. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. You helped me to calculate. You know I like you. I wish all congregants were like you, my brother. You 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 love the Lord and you are very fiery and what you call it. Shaba yaba 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 So when I was nine years old, my father he 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 got a, a stroke and we thought he's dying. We really thought he's dying. And one day he took all of us children and prayed for us because it was really bad. And I remember when he prayed for me, he prayed for me last as the son, the only son at home, literally handed over the baton to me as a nine-year-old, you know. And I remember he prayed that God would help me be a leader, that he'd help me be a father and all of that and, and some things he said. And you know, it's only not recently, but over the years I've noticed that that prayer worked. Yeah. Really worked. I'm being honest with you. As a nine-year-old, I started seeking for God. And even now, you know, the spirit of fathering, not just in terms of my own children at home, but in spiritually. Fathering as you saw. Fathering sons and daughters and all of that. And then he would, he would wake up and pray in the morning. 5 a.m. would hear him, you know. We, 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 we grew up in a four-roomed house, you know, so I used to sleep in the dining room. <laughs> my, my, my parents had the one bedroom, my sisters had the other bedroom. Now I was shoved under the table. <laughs> and later on, they bought me a, fold, a, 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 a folding bed. And just make sure you open it properly, <laughs> lest it falls on you whilst you are sleeping. <laughs> And to rescue you out of there, you need 911 intervention. <laughs> and out here, my father prayed five in the morning in the bedroom. And he never, he, he never used to be soft in praying. He used to pray. <laughs> and he had a very strong, powerful voice. And I could hear him. And you know, as a child, I remember growing up when I became a teenager. You know, all children, you know, you get into mischief. You know? I know some of you are trying to look innocent and holy, but... <laughs> But I'll admit, I, I did stuff as a child, you know. But you know what was funny is any time I got up to mischief, I would almost hear those prayers. Hey! cloud. There was just an, an invisible cloud following me, and I would literally hear those prayers, you know. And I can be sure that I believe strongly, because he prayed for the whole family. The reason we ended up the way we did is because of that. My wife and I, when we got married in our first year, Yalinyalo, we decided to pray for all our family members. Even those who were not saved, we'd pray for them and bring them. And they started getting saved like this. Person, I'm telling you, you need, I'm telling you, they, they got saved, got saved, got saved. Not together, like this, like this. Like. Prayer is a powerful thing. Build a hedge around your families, pray for them. Some of you as young people, I've seen young people in our church who prayed their entire family into the kingdom. They came here, there was a 12-year-old child, started praying for their family. First of all, you know, it's usually the mother who comes first. Lord help us. So, but, but we do come finally. 
So the, the mother comes and then the father comes and the, you know, I've talked to some of our pastors, some of our pastors, some of our young pastors. I've had so many conversations with them where they're telling me, oh, my parents, this, my dad, this, and I said, just pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Bazalana, never underestimate the practice of prayer. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And, and, and don't pray for them. That's, that's, that's not, you see, I can see some of you in a little rappeller like that. Pray for them according to God's word. If they're not born again, pray for them to be born again. If they're born again, but chichiris. Pray for them according to Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, that they will grow in the things of God. But pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Sometimes pray for them in other tongues, in the spirit. Lord, I pray for Simangma, Zanel. Lord, Zanela these days, I can see what she's been up to. The way Kimanaka Tenkara, she's doing some trouble, Lord, but I'm going to pray for her now. Even if Kisatibe Marawana Watiba, Lanya Mela Arte, Moyawa Hauta Malien, I will see what she's doing in secret. But let me pray for her in the spirit. God doesn't have to show you what Zanella is doing. It's none of your business. But when you pray for them, the spirit of God will come upon them. Your amen is not convincing. So number one, he prayed. Number two, he offered burnt offerings. Verse five, it was so when the days of the feasting were gone about, Job sanctified them and offered burnt offerings. Now the expression offered burnt offerings in the Old Testament is used of a sacrifice that was wholly consumed on the altar. So he built an altar and put a sacrifice. Such offerings, note this, in these times, they were made by the father, or should I say, the leader of the family, officiating as a priest on behalf of the household. So when I, as the leader of your home, you need to offer these burnt offerings. Now what are they? I'm not talking about doing it like they did it in Old Testament days. I'll give you an example. In Genesis 8.20, it says, Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered a burnt offering. Genesis 12, verse 7 and 8, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Your seed I will give this land, to your seed I will give this land. And there Abraham built an altar unto the Lord. Verse 8, And he removed from thence unto a mountain of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Now note this. As New Testament priests, note this. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2, 5 that we also offer sacrifices. But our sacrifices is not bulls and goats. And note this. You are the priest of your home. As a parent, you are the priest of the home. Even if you are a child and you are the one who has been left in charge of your siblings, you are the priest of your home. Tell to your neighbor and say, you are the priest of your home. That is if you are a parent or whatever, Maria, you are the priest. Look at them and say, you are the priest of your home. And so, Basalana, what does a priest do? A priest offers sacrifices. And may I suggest and encourage the men, right, to take their rightful place. Sometimes we as men, we do not play our priestly role. Very often I find men don't want to take time to pray for their families or they're afraid to pray. You know, sometimes usually you find that, you know, sometimes in a family it may be the wife who becomes a Christian first and by the time you join her, she's been in it for five years. 
So I understand, you know, she knows to pray better than you, and you know, she knows the Bible more than you, so you kind of feel, you don't feel so great to lead because she knows more. But you need to take your place as the father of the home. And I really encourage you, men, take your rightful place by having an altar in your home, offering sacrifices in your home. Let me show you. The Bible tells us that the sacrifices that we offer as New Testament believers, number one, is the sacrifices of praise. Hebrews 13, 5. What does that mean? You take the time in your prayer to thank God for the success and the progress that you see in your family members. You know, sometimes we think prayer is simply just complaining and asking. But you know, we should be noticing the success and the prosperity in your family. Or thanking God just for the little things. Thank God, I thank you God, even this, this my boy is so naughty. He should be dead by now, but I thank you that you've kept him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. I thank you this boy of mine, but at least it is the for the first time this month. I thank you this boy Waka. You know, at least you born in Tombi Wanyan. Yeah. Kona lo koranza matabata lebo mai susu. We need to learn to thank God for those things. Number two, the other sacrifice is the sacrifice of of prayer, the incense of prayers. Look at Revelation chapter five. I love this one. Revelation chapter five, verse eight. It says, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which is what? Which are the prayers of the saints. Though you have forgotten about the prayer that you have prayed, heaven has not forgotten about the prayer that you have prayed. It is there in the containers in heaven. It is there before the presence of the Lord. God remembers the prayer that was prayed for you. I'm being honest with you. That's why some of you, even if when you try to do something and go this other way and destroy your life, you couldn't do it because there was a prayer is before the Lord. Look at Revelations now. Chapter 8, verse 2 to verse 5. I love it. It says, I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense. That he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Next verse, verse 4. I love it. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God. Oh my goodness. Call the name of your children. The names of your parents. The name of your husband. The name of your wife. As a priest in your home. Bring those prayers before God. And when those prayers go up before God. God builds a hedge around them. God builds a hedge around them. That he must avoid that accident. When he was high on drugs. Or filled with alcohol. He doesn't know how he made it straight home. And he got home. And arrived home. Without an accident. What he doesn't know. What she doesn't know. Is that there was an angel. That was accompanying them. Because of the prayers of the mother. The prayers of a father. Can I hear an amen in the house? Offer those prayers before the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Have an altar.
altar in your home through family prayer where you pray together and you pray all the time and when you offer these prayers note it's not a waste of time I said it's not a waste of time tell your neighbor it's not your waste of time Acts chapter 10 tell your other neighbor it's not a waste of time tell the other neighbor it's not a waste of time you know I'm so glad you know Sometimes it's, it's, it's easier when you look at things in hindsight. But you know, some of these things, when we did them years ago, people used to say so many negative things to us. You're wasting time. You know, everything. You know, we come to church for a little rasa fair. Yeah, they would tell people, you just go in there to that boy. They don't know that God has chosen the foolishness of ringing. Of ringing. Yes. And when I, you know, I used to counsel a lot of people back those years. People were discouraging, no. Because you come under that pressure. Some of you. You may be under that pressure. Probably you came this morning. Your family was saying things that are not nice. Yeah. Some of you, when you go back, you're not going back to a nice atmosphere. Serious. But let me tell you, you're not wasting time. Yeah. You're not wasting time. Acts chapter 10, look at this. Start at verse 1. It says, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all his heart. He gave much arms, note, he gave much arms to the people and prayed to God how often? Always. I can't hear you. He prayed to God how often? Always. He prayed to God how often? Always. He prayed to God how often? Always. always, always. Remember that, always. Next verse. He saw an, an, in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel coming down to him and saying unto him, Cornelius! And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy giving has come up as a memorial before God. But watch, he did it always. Now note, when you go back to the book of Job, it says, Job sanctified his family. He prayed, rose up in the morning, offered sacrifices, and this he did continually. And the devil said to God, God, you have made a hedge. Listen to me. He says, you have built a hedge. Mamela, when you build, you use material. And building is a process. It's a progression. And for the building to get bigger, you need a constant supply of material. You need bricks, river sand, cement, water. You need all that to build. Watch this now. For the hedge to be built around your family, 
you must supply God the material. Ah. The material of prayer, the material of sacrifices, and do it continually. And as you do it continually, God takes that material and he starts building. See, this is why, Bazalan, if you watch the life of a Christian, it's incremental. When you start, you see a few blessings, because your wall is still this high. Mara, if you continue in the same thing, the wall keeps on growing and growing and growing and growing. And after several years, your family is saved, your children are saved. You are healed in your body, you are supplied with all your needs, things are working out. And all of a sudden, you realize when you look back, when you check where you come from, you, you wonder how far I have come. I used to be there, I used to walk in depression, I used to be so sad, I used to drink, I used to smoke, I used to do funny things. Mara, here I am, when I look back, it looks like I'm not the same person again. What does that? As you supply the material, God builds and God builds, God builds. I see God building your family. I said, I see God building your family. But the key is for you to do it continually. Continue to pray for your family. Continue to pray for your home. Continue to offer up the sacrifices. Continue to do that. And as you do that, God will continue to build your family. In conclusion, when we pray consistently for our families, we become the priest of our household and God will build a hedge around our families. Sure, some of you, sincerely and truly, if we were to give some of you a chance, you would tell us where you come from. You would point at things that happened in your life and see how God has brought you through. Through those prayers. Through building a hedge. And that's why we say, I'll never go back anymore when I remember what the Lord has done. When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back anymore. When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back anymore. No, no. of you will never go back anymore when I remember what the Lord has done, 
Join hands with your neighbor and begin to pray for them and pray for their family. Pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. God cares for the family. God loves the family. Family matters before God. Jesus. Pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Heal us from all the pain. Heal us, God. Heal us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for their family. Father, I bring this family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Surama Brusuko. Mamboria Rabaraba Sikarabariana. Rebelebodobu Sokoro Borobos. Jadambrostokoro de Reveda Bariana. You know, sometimes we, we carry so much pain from our families. Some of you here, you may be burdened with that pain. My prayer is that God would heal you today. That even though not everything may be solved in your family, but God would give you a ray of hope. That God would give a bright light to show you that no matter how bad things are, things will work out. Can I hear a name? Lord, you are only have. So remain standing for a while. But those of you who are here today for the first time, maybe you haven't received Christ as yet, as Savior and Lord of your life, and you realize only God can change your life and transform you. He's our only hope. God is our only help. It's the only place where our help comes from. And if you're here today and you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord of your lives, but you want to invite him today, 
You want to ask him to come into your life as Savior and Lord. You need prayer. Would you raise your hand and say, thank you for those hands. Raise it up. Don't be afraid. All right. God bless you. Can I ask you to all just come to the front, those who raise their hands. I want to pray with you. Take all your belongings, your Bible, your bag, whatever you have with you. Come, let's pray for you.